You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bills Mafia is back. Are you ready for it? The third annual Buffalo Rumblings IPA beer release party is going down September 16th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Resurgence Brewing Company located downtown at 55 Chicago Street. I'm going to tell you what, you do not want to miss this event. Come out and hang with Joe, Sarah, and the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings crew for the Megapod. You're going to want to bring your questions and be a part of the live stream. Get involved. It's going to be live. And this year, we're also going to have our friends from Fans of Buffalo joining the party and sponsoring the fun. They're going to be in the house to provide you with all the information you need to make your away game day experience the easiest and the most smooth that you've ever had in your life. I can promise you, they they do their job very well. So make sure you make it out Saturday, September 16th, 6 p.m., Resurgence Brewing Company, 55 Chicago Street. Go Bills! Kick off the show here. Bill's Mafia, welcome to the Mafia Cast, part of the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast and Cast Network. I'm your host, of course, Papa Ron, with my two good friends here, Casey and Mike. What's going on, guys? What's up? Labor Day weekend. What's going on, guys? It is Labor Day weekend. I got a four-day weekend. How about you guys? Three. Three. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was a four-day weekend for me. Uh, Today, off today, and then Monday, and then back to full-time work on Tuesday. Sounds nice. like a lot of fun. I got today off. So, anyways, we've got our 53-man roster is finalized. We've got a season here set to start very soon. Uh, what do you guys think? What was your initial reactions with the 53? Anybody that jumped off of there kind of surprised you? Not not really, I don't think. Nothing too crazy. I'm looking at – uh, got the transactions up right now, and um, – I mean, obviously, uh, you know Isabella, but he's back on the practice squad. Yeah, so it's it's good to see that, right? Yeah, I think anytime you can get somebody from that's been through the the training camp and the preseasons and get them on the practice squad, it's good because you know we've heard before the uh, the Bills' offensive playbook is pretty extensive, so it's good to get somebody on the practice squad that kind of already knows the playbook, so they can kind of hit the ground running if they needed to to jump in in a pinch. But um, what about you, Casey? What first kind of jumped out at you? Uh, I mean, I think we can all say the boogie trade was just, I mean, just kind of a surprise. I mean, I think, well, I know a lot of us were kind of expecting a move there. I mean, the room was just, it seemed too full, especially after the signing of Leonard Floyd. You know, you knew there was going to be at least one uh, odd man out. Um, I think we all kind of expected a little bit more for a second round pick, but he also hasn't produced like a second round pick. So our expectations were, in my opinion, a little bit higher than they should have been. But my my two most surprising cuts, one of them I'm still happy about it, was David Questenberry. I'm surprised they let him go just because he's been around for so long. But I, I've, I've seen enough out of Questenberry, and I, I mean, I, I mean, there's not enough for me there to say that we can't get the same production out of somebody like an Alec Anderson or a Van DeMark, you know, and then getting cut somebody who being traded back for last year. Um, 
getting cut was kind of a surprise to me. I'm sure that eventually he'll end up back on the practice squad, especially if there's injury. But I, I'm just kind of surprised that he wasn't immediately re-signed to the practice squad after being cut just because of all the experience they have. And, I mean, he started last year for us multiple times. So those are my those are my two surpri- most surprising ones personally. What about you, Pepperon? Well, um, Questenberry got re-signed by, I believe it was the Vikings. They picked him up and put him on their 53. But I agree. I, I kind of had this conversation with uh, somebody, that one of my buddies the other day. Uh, we were talking about the the backup tackles are Vandermark and, and Anderson. Both have one-year experience under their belt. So that's kind of tenuous, right, to have limited experience sitting there to back up the most important spots, I think, on the offensive line, particularly the left tackle spot. Uh, but then they went out and they signed um, Jermaine Adefe, if I said that correctly. So yeah, I believe he's got 82, 83 starts under his belt, so it's good to have that experience there. But I think the team is really high on Vandermark. Um, and everything that I'm hearing about him, he could be the tackle of the future, or, or maybe he can swing over to the right tackle. Um, everything that I heard from as far as the training camp and preseason reports and from what I saw, he was much better on the left side than the right. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, he's still a young guy. So um, I, I don't know because we kind of talked about last week about the offensive line and whether or not they should just blow up the line and start over. And um, if that happens, maybe Vandermark's part of that. But, I, I again, I kind of go back to what we were saying last, last week. I don't think that happens. I think Dawkins is a mainstay for a while, and um, I'm not sure about Morris. Morris is starting to get up there in age, so maybe he'll step aside at some point. Ryan Bates will step into his role. But um, that's the one spot on this entire roster that I am, I don't want to say concerned, but I am. Like They were kind of up and down in the preseason. Like One, one week they were fine, the next week they were getting destroyed. Um, there was plays here, plays there, that they were good, they were bad. So I just hope the starting five can pull it all together. They can get that chemistry. They can build that uh, communication amongst themselves. And we can stick with the same five. That's going to be dependent on Connor McGregor. Or McGregor. <laughs> McGovern. <laughs> McGovern. Um, yeah. McGovern, thank you. Uh, God, I hope it's not 5-4 McGregor down there. <laughs> Connor McGregor lining up against Aaron Donald at nose tackle. I would pay yeah. to see that. <laughs> He'll take him down to the ground, be holding penalty every play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Just dive at the knees or something. Legal chop box. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, so John made a good point that I mean, hit close to home. Stronger for me than Mike, but even for Mike, and th- that was like about Kingsley Jonathan. And going back to the boogie trade, I mean Kingsley. I mean he's worked his way onto this roster. I mean he. I mean spending. I think he's why. You know, I mean, me too. I mean, I think they saw Kingsley and they're like, we can get this same production that we have been getting, if not more out of him that we've gotten from Boogie in the past. So, I mean, I just want to give a, like a big shout out to him. I mean, just getting, getting that, getting on the team, like going from practice squad last year, bumping up and down, up and down and sticking with it, you know, trusting the bills, trusting that, like trusting the process and not taking off anywhere. If he was given an opportunity to go, signed to another active 53 last year this summer. So it's really cool to see a local Syracuse player coming to our, to our favorite team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had actually heard that he did get signed off of the practice squad last year, but then was released by that team. Um, if there's somebody in the comments that knows more about that, they can confirm, but I think that's what I heard. He actually was signed by somebody else. They released him, and then Buffalo was able to pick him back up and put him back on their practice squad. But yeah, he has developed in, into you know a pretty good defensive end so far. And I mean, a six four, what two hundred sixty pounds or so. He had he didn't have any sacks in the preseason. Kind of looking through PFF here, um, uh, their grades are kind of <laughs> iffy sometimes. But yeah, he kind of made some noise in the preseason, and kind of and that made Basham, I think, op, I don't say obsolete, but. Um, I mean, somebody just had to go him out of the room and yeah, pushed him out of the yeah. room. Yeah. And what I'm going to be curious to see though, is what's going to happen with Jonathan King or Kingsley Jonathan. I'm going to say that I'm going to get that mixed up all season long, 
But what's going to happen with him when Von Miller comes back? Because right now they've got five active on that on the uh, on the fifty three. Von would be the sixth one when he comes back in four weeks. What happens at that point? Are all six going to stay on the on the roster? Is somebody going to move back down to the practice squad? Maybe somebody gets moved. And to that point, I did hear today, or maybe it was yesterday, the possibility of AJ Epinesa is not out of the woods uh, as far as being on this team at the end of the year. That he could still be a potential trade possibility when Von Miller comes back. If if Kingsley can step up and take some of those snaps away from Epinesa, I can absolutely see that happening. Yeah, for sure. And I would, I'd be fine with that, but like, it's, you can't trade two second round picks for rice and beans. That's when like the Bills mafia would be like, all right, what's going on here? Like, you know, I mean, and even this boogie yeah. trade was to a friend to Joe Shane, you know, somebody who worked with and has spent more hours than probably beans wife with bean, you know? Like, so if that was the best deal he could have got for him, then, I mean, AJ has put up better numbers and seems, in my opinion, on a higher direction than Boogie is. So maybe, you know, we can get, we can get a, a fifth or a fourth or a fifth round pick for him. Um, but I, I, when Vaughn comes back, I, I'd more expect either Kingsley to get dropped down or Shaq to get dropped down. I think it's going to be between those two. Whoever like whoever's gonna just playing better or what the team needs. If we're we need more run stopping, then it's gonna be Shaq. Um, but I mean, we know that. I mean, Shaq's just not a great pass rusher. You know, he's a great ed- run defender off the edge. But Kingsley, we just gotta see what he's got. Yeah, I sure. agree. Um, Scott Sarah says at least you didn't pull an Irish and trade for a fourth guy on your. You spent three first rounders for, yeah, I, yeah, that is very, very true. And I mean, I think honestly, to 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 a point, these general managers catch more um, slack than maybe they should. Like Absolutely. everybody always expects the first, second, and third rounders to be NFL stars or at least starters. When they're not, like, oh man, that general manager sucks at his job. <laughs> okay, he missed on some of those, but what about these fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders that he's hit on, or seventh rounders in the case of, I believe, Dane yeah. Jackson? Like, Christian there's some give and take there. Wallace. Yeah. And at yeah, the end of the day, you know, if if there isn't room for that player on the roster, you know, there's players ahead of him at, at that position, you know, it, it's nice to get something, you know, instead of nothing, so – so as exactly. far as that, I'm okay with that. Exactly. Know? I mean, that just what J Dub just said here. Yeah. I mean, you got, yeah. you know, He's you got to, you got to get something now while you can. I mean, that was what everybody was saying with Rogers a couple years ago with the Packers. They were like, you should trade him now while he still has something. I think it was after that second MVP. They like they were like, you should trade him now while he's hot off that MVP and truly get a King's ransom for him. I mean. They got a healthy amount for him still, but I mean, imagine what they could have got for him off back-to-back MVPs, multiple first-round picks. I'm sure, you know, include and players. So, I don't know. Yeah, bef- before we move forward here, we did get some comments here in the comment section that uh, we were getting some echoes. So, if anybody's still hearing that in the comments, please let us know uh, and who it is specifically that's echoing, so we can try to see if we can fix that. Um, there's also another comment here. So John uh, says uh, maybe Jordan Phillips because he is always injured, uh, referring to maybe Phillips as the one that gets bounced in favor of Von Miller when he comes back. Phillips is an interior defensive lineman, though, so it's two different positions, and I do believe we kept five on the defensive tackle as well, correct? It's it's yeah. Phillips, Oliver. Yeah, yeah, Daquan, Ed, Puna, Daquan. Phillips, and da- Daquan, Oliver, Puna, Phillips, and Tim Settle. Settle. That's the other one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that, and, that was the last one. That was the pinky. <laughs> that was the pinky. Yeah, going back to what J-Dub said, too, as far as getting rid of players, regardless of where they're drafted, I absolutely agree. If they're just not cutting it, you've got to cut bait. You yeah. can't just sit there and, like, well, I spent a second-round pick on him. I'm going to hold on to him for four years or three or whatever and hope for the best. It's almost like playing the stock market. Sometimes you sink money into a, a stock that just doesn't work, and you – you know, you've got to cut your losses sometimes to get out of there before you lose more. And that's kind of the same same idea uh, with that. Um, let's talk about the new additions to – there's a couple of them specifically I want to talk about. We'll start with the quarterback. 
um, Shane, we don't know how to say his name. We think it's Bouchelle, something like that. We're just going to call him Bobby Boucher to make it simple for us. <laughs> but uh, Pop Ron, real quick, we have 30 seconds until we are live. The draft is live. Yes. Oh, okay. I was like, uh, we've been no, we are live. We're not live. <laughs> I, I actually hit the button this time. That's uh, good. <laughs> so what Casey's referring to before we get into the conversation about Bobby Boucher, we have a live draft going on here over here on the side while we're doing a live show. So this is going to be fun. Be interesting. I've never done this before. So if you see we, me looking over here, that's what I'm doing. We uh, are building our teams while the, talking about Brandon Bean building his. That's right. So back to the quarterback thing. Do you think bringing uh, Bouchel, whatever his name is, into the fold is – do they keep him – and Kyle Allen, do they all three get rostered? Do does one of them go to the practice squad? If so, who is it? I mean, I think he's going to remain on the practice squad. I mean, at least for now, while they learn truly who he is, what he can do, and then if he beats out Allen, yeah, I could see them just swips I mean, like swapping him, you know, first to second. I mean, like uh, active to practice squad. Right? Are we just keeping competition there? You know, I well, I think they just want some competition. I don't think they yeah. saw any real competition between the two that we currently had. Yeah, I think they just saw them as equal. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, oh, it was in the comments somebody mentioned, because I, I do want to go back to this, but before we do uh, a comment about uh, Kyrie Elam, before I go back to that, though, yeah, the quarterback situation, I agree. I think uh, Bouchelle stays on the practice squad. Allen's probably the week one backup uh, because it does take time for these guys to kind of ramp up. And if you if you guys, if anybody, if you're out there and you listen to One Bills Live, they had uh, Jordan Palmer on, and he was talking about he does mentor Kyle Allen. He was kind of talking about him, and he was talking about he's one of the smartest football guys that he's he knows. Like, he can process things quickly. So – I think it's really with him, honestly, I think it's just a matter of time for him to digest and get some uh, playing time and get some reps, really practice time or practice reps because he's not going to get in the games probably. And my phone is going off, and that's your fault, Casey. You're on the clock, Ron. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pop Ron, but you're on the clock, buddy. You got I can see that. Um, Mr. Number two overall pick. <laughs> yeah. So they, they did let go of um, Barkley. Barkley, I believe, is an injury injury settlement. Do you think any? Do you think his time here is is done? No, no, I can't count him. He'll, he'll come back because he's already been here and gone and back. Yeah, I mean, they've. And I, he's like the glue to Buffalo. You know, I, I feel like this is another one of those Reed Ferguson. You know, we're gonna let you go in three weeks. He can come back to Buffalo. He'll be back. He'll be on the clock. I mean, he'll, he'll be in. And that's four quarterbacks. I don't think they need that. Then well then that's when they're gonna have the competition. I, don't know. I, I personally think Barkley's done. I don't think he comes back to Buffalo. Really? Yeah. Because I, I mean they they signed Bouchot for a reason to bring him in and they released him, uh Barkley on the injury settlement. I I just don't see them bringing him back after they've brought in somebody new just to let him go later on down the road. To me, that, that just doesn't make much sense. Um, I do want to go wonder, back over here because we're talking about the players to trade, talking about cutting your your, your losses, and this name comes up, Kyrie Elam. We talked about him a little bit last week. Just real and, quick, should and I, I actually, Josh Allen? I got the third pick here, or fifth pick. <laughs> God. You should take Tyler Bass. Yeah. Round one. It's so tempting. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> But we talked about this last week, and I made the comment about I don't think the team would be ready to give up on the first-round pick. But then we trade Basham Boogie. after his rookie year. Well, no, he's had two seasons. So yeah. had two seasons with the team. They did obviously give up on him. 
What do you guys think about Elam though? Is he is there is there, I, are you concerned about his future with the Bills? I think if Benford I think if Benford outright wins CB2 this year, that puts a lot of trouble into Kyrie Elam's camp because they're more than comfortable with keeping Dane Jackson as C4, you know. So that would I mean that would they could get third round pick for Elam, maybe, you know, fourth round pick. Um and move on and like I can't remember who said it earlier, but just cut their losses, you know. But if Elam can vie himself playing time and really work for it, then I think he I mean that that'll really put a damper on things. And I think this is Benford's going to be here no matter what. I think they really, really like what they have yeah. in Benford, and I think this is the year that they're going to decide between Ben, I mean, between Elam and Jackson for the future. And if Jackson just outright wins it, then yeah, I could definitely see them just cutting their their losses and just going for it. Who do you think they would pick between those two? If all things are equal, who do they go with? Probably, probably Dane, because they know what they have. And even I've said it, Dane is the perfect backup cornerback. How, how old know? is Dane, or how many years has he been in the league? Not many. No, not many. Four this has got to be what fifth year? Yeah, fifth year max, I believe. Right. So I mean, I'm he's still you know, he's still young himself. Right. I was going to say, you seven... know, keep the younger guy, but he's not really that much younger, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, Elam yeah. is pretty young. He was very he was young coming into the league, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the things that I've heard some people talk about is uh, the possibility of kind of platooning these guys because Kyrie Elam is a very physical corner. He is good in man press type coverage where you can get up in their face and get physical with him. He is good at that. A little handsy at times. We've talked about yeah. that, but, uh, and that's not really Dane Jackson's game. So is, do you think it's a viable option to go into a game and, and look at the potential game plan on the offense and be like, okay, this receiver, let's say, I don't know, I'll just throw a name out there, but let's say Justin Jefferson, we've seen him struggle when people get in his face. So let's go ahead. And I'm not saying that's true. I'm just, you know, hypothetically, yeah. let's go ahead and put Elam out there on him. And then we've got, of course, White and, and Taron Johnson. And then the next week, well, this team struggles in zone. So we're going to put uh, Benford out there on, on the field. Do you think that's something that, uh, the Bills could do successfully. Well, isn't that, that doesn't, but, but that goes back to platooning running backs and having designated running back skills. You know, are, okay, so James Cook's on the field, so you know they're going to pass the ball. Uh, Latavius right. Murray's on the field, so you know they're going to run the football. You know, but it's like it, it's it's the same exact thing. You know, going back and forth. I I I, I just don't like it. I don't like. I don't like yeah. platooning and kind of tipping your hand as to what you're more likely than not going to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like yeah, what Wayne, I, Wayne and John are saying, like Wayne likes what he sees, you know, of course he could be less grabby, but I feel like he'll make a mistake, like very physical in your face. That's why he's getting those calls, but he makes those corrections, you know, after the fact, I mean, we'd like to see it eliminated completely, but I feel like he, he adjusts, he corrects the mistake and, I, I think he needs to to be in and learn and you know just become the player that he can be. Yeah, I, I do agree with Elam. I don't think it's time to to let him go just yet. I think maybe give him another season uh, this year to kind of see how he can develop further his game because he does have all the traits. He is a, a first round pick for a reason. The talent is there. There's just some aspects of his game he is struggling with and that he needs to work on and improve. Uh, and if he spends a year to to try to learn that, I mean, again, we kind of go back, look at Kingsley Jonathan. He has developed into a pretty good defensive end to this point in his career. Uh, and, and the Bills have shown an ability, especially in the secondary, to develop guys at the corner position and the safeties. Uh, it's the one area that I don't think too many people can really lay a lot of fault or, or, or criticism towards this staff for not being able to develop that position. Yeah, you can talk about the defensive line all day. I get that, but as far as the defensive backs, we've had some good ones come through here, and you look at some of the late draft picks that they've had that they've developed with Benford, Jackson, uh, Levi Wallace, a good example. Uh, so I think you keep Elam around for another season at least and, and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking on that, I feel like they saw, okay, look at the success we've had with these late-round picks. 
what if we get somebody that's a freak of an athlete and freak of a player at the position? And what if we can develop him as well as we did the other guys? Like, imagine how, like they would be the top two. They would be the top corner duo in the league. But he hasn't progressed the way that these other players have. And in my opinion, especially Benford. And you guys know, I i mean, I was pounding the table. I loved Elam. I've been pounding the table for him last year. Just give him the starting job. But that's just to the point that I'm at now personally to where just, just give one of these guys, one of these guys a starting job and let him go. Because, I mean, there is something to game rhythm, yes. you know, and, and being in yes. there and learning, okay, I've gone up three times and two out of the three times he's hit me on the quick jab for a slant, you know? And so now, now you can read tendencies and understand just the mental aspect, the mental game part of, playing football against the other per like against whoever's again across from you. So I, I just I stop the platooning, just go with whoever's playing the best yep. you yep. trust most and let it run and let it run its course. And if they start to flop, then throw the next one in line in. And when he starts to flop, throw the next one in line in until you find the best one out there that goes w- with the rest of the team. Yeah. And, and this makes it, this is a good point too that John uh, brings up. He did great last year, especially later in the stages when he had that, that time on the field, consistent time, he was getting better. But I've also said this about Christian Benford. Had he not got hurt, I really do think Benford would have taken the, taken over the number two corner completely at some point. And with the fact that he spent half of last year injured, he beat uh, Elam out last year. He's even though he hasn't necessarily like grabbed onto the CB2 role this year, he has battled. Um, and I think he's that guy that if you can get him, if, if you put him in there and give him the consistent snaps, and he is the starter, I think he could be really, really good. And he's a big guy too. I think he's, I don't want to say 6'2, I think he's a little too tall, but he might be 6'6'1. Six, six, but he's, he's, an, he's got size. And they've even talked about him having safety size. So if he can develop as a corner, he would be really good against those bigger, more physical wide receivers. So what more what more does would he need to do in order to beat out Dane Jackson? I mean, what are we all missing as a whole that says that he hasn't played better and deserves the opportunity over Dane Jackson? You know, like it like I what is everybody like what is so but apparently not to well, we don't know yet, but I mean as of our knowledge right now, he hasn't yet. He hasn't beat out Dane Jackson in the eyes of Sean McDermott. So, like, what do you guys think McDermott's looking for even more to get him to be that starter over Dane? Is it just trusting? Like, is it just being in the system enough, you know, being exactly where you're supposed to be, like, 99% of the time? You know, like, I, I just don't know what it could be. I think you got to yeah. eliminate the penalties. Yeah, Mike, you go first because Paparazzi's on the clock. Which, which isn't a, it isn't a huge. I don't think it's a huge thing, but it's definitely, you know, one thing that stands out. You know, to me, because like For, I was saying, he makes a mistake, he corrects it. Um, you're talking about I, Elam right now, right? Benford yeah. over Elam. So yeah. what, like, what do you think he hasn't done as well as Dane Benford hasn't done as well as Dane Jackson? Oh, ben, what Benford to, hasn't done? Yeah, to keep him nice. below Jackson. Like, what do you like? I don't know. He just, I is he just not getting the opportunity, right? That I mean, to, to personally, that's what it seems like. It seems like they're afraid to go away from being comfortable, and you know, and, and like with what they have in Dane Jackson, the same way they had an issue with letting go of Levi Wallace. I mean, how much did Buffalo cheer? And we all loved Levi, Levi Wallace because we knew exactly what he was. He was never going to lose you a game, but he wasn't going to win it for you. And that was for sure, you know, and that's the exact same thing we have in Dane Jackson. They were like, they found that same comfortability and they're like, all right, you know what? We're just going to keep going with it. We saw how well you know, we've had multiple number one overall defenses in this league with average CB2 play. So we can go, we can go with it again. Yep. It's, it's really hard to argue that. So, yeah, I think there's some definitely some truth to that because uh, we know how McDermott is about trusting the defensive players, and that's across the board. Every defensive-minded coach, they want to trust their players to be where they're supposed to be. 
uh, on any given play. Uh, I think for Benford, it's twofold. One, I think that's part of it. I think they want to make sure that they can trust him um, to to be that number two corner. But I also kind of wonder this because he did get the start in the last preseason game. Jackson got the first two games and Benford got the third one. So to me, that tells me a lot. And I don't and I and I kind of wonder if maybe the team hasn't just outright said it as kind of a gamesmanship. Let's not let the Jets know who we're going to put out on the field until they actually physically walk out on that field. So I could see that being uh, some aspect of it, similar to the middle linebacker spot. We don't know who's going to start there. We can assume, but we don't know for sure. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at Spin's uh, comment there. That's funny. Um, I <laughs> Spin, you got me distracting. You make, made me miss Paparon's question. What was that again? I'm sorry. Uh, just talking about that um, with Benford, I, I think part of the what we're what we might be seeing here is the fact that McDermott doesn't want to say specifically who the starter is because of the Jets. Gotcha. Let the Jets find out when they walk out on the field, and it's like, okay, that's who we're going to be going up against. Because I think there is some aspect of uh, the preparation for, like everybody always talks about preparing for the quarterback. I think you have to as you're, when you're game planning, you're preparing for everybody on that field. Agree. Because you know, if Kyrie Elam's out there. You've got to be prepared for his physicality. If Benford's out there, you got to be prepared for, you know, more of yeah. his all-around skills or or whatever yeah. the case may be. About running around the like clock. Middle linebacker. Okay, <laughs> middle linebacker. We don't know who that starter is. We can assume, but we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we know. I think who more it's of the battle. More of the battle is between Elam and Benford instead of Jack or uh, Jackson and Benford. You know, because they're just the younger guys that just need the experience. So, yeah, playing Jackson's off Jackson's already been there. Playing know. off what Pop Ron said, do you think they're hi- they're hiding Elam and playing him in the back end of these games to, I guess, play against lower competition and like just gain confidence, and then he's gonna they're gonna roll him out week one as the starter. Like, could could you guys imagine everybody <laughs> goes off? You'd be like, what is going on, Mike? <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, no, I don't I, think like, that's uh, yeah. I don't think that's the case um, with that. Um, let's kind of like shift a little bit though towards some of these other position battles because the three positions battles we've talked mostly about all offseason was the corner, right guard, and the middle linebacker. Um, the right guard, I don't think there's a lot to talk about. I think that's no. it's a done deal. I think uh, Bates is the center, backup center, and Osiris Torrance has won that job outright because he was the number one on the game on preseason number one, and he was the first one out there in preseason number three. There's been zero change in that, um, and he's played well. So I don't think there's a lot of lot to, to talk about there, but do you, if you guys have anything to add, here you go. Now's your chance. Go Osiris, go Cybo. Yeah. I mean, you're That's talking about blowing up the line, and I, I know, like it's kind of drastic. We talk that way, but it's, it's not like we're not blowing it up, but we're slowly working in the younger talent. I think, so. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, he, and he played great. I mean, you can't yeah, deny he, that at all. So, he might have been one of the more consistent offensive linemen throughout the preseason too. So yeah. I'm I, excited I, to see him. Absolutely. I saw him get pushed back. And I was like, hmm, I, I was kind of unsure, but then like, it was like halftime, like the first or second game, they started showing highlights of him, and it's like, if you pay attention and watch him every play, he was doing his job. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think he's going to be an anchor for this, uh, a mainstay on this offensive line for for mm-hmm. a while with the Bills. Oh yeah. Uh, and then hopefully they can continue to build around that. Um, the middle linebacker spot. We've got a new middle linebacker that's been added to the fold here in the last couple of days. Uh, kind of a surprise release Thank from the Texans, Christian Kirksey. <laughs> Thank God. We needed somebody. Yeah, we, yeah. we needed somebody to, to come in. Um, we have, what, 10 days till the start of the season. He did practice. I think he began practicing yesterday was his first day on the field with the team. So. It's either he's yeah. on the, yesterday or the day before. Yeah, something like that. He, um, he's on the practice squad, though, currently. Do you think the season starts with Dobson – or somebody else because Bernard uh, Bernard did practice today. He is back from his injury and, and practicing. So what do you guys think about that situation? 
I think they're going to go. I think they're going to start with Bernard. Well, they're going to have Bernard, Kirksey, and Dodson all active week one. If Kirksey is ready, if he's not ready, they'll just they won't they'll just keep him on the practice squad and it'll be fine. You know, they'll bring him up week two. Well, they they are eventually going to make Kirksey you know, more likely than not the starting um, the starting middle linebacker for this team, and I couldn't be happier about it. Kirksey, not much of a coverage guy. Yeah, keep those expectations in check. We don't need him to be coverage guy. That's why we right. have Matt Milano, the best coverage linebacker in the league. I was going to say, I, I don't know. I think at this point with – because I think Taylor Rapp is going to be more of that coverage guy that they're going to use in almost passing situations. Um, I think what they're looking for is somebody that can get in there and knows how to play defense and can make tackles, and that's where Kirksey is. I believe he led yeah. the Texans last season in, in, in tackles. Not that that's saying a lot considering the Texans were on the field a lot on defense, so he had lots of opportunities. Um, but he he's had a solid career, and I do think he is a better option than anything we have right now. Um, so I do kind of hope he gets on the field week one, but I wouldn't be surprised if it takes him a, maybe a couple of weeks to kind of get ramped up before they're ready to, to yeah. plug him in there. Uh, I, the one I'm not sure about, though, is between Bernard and Dobson. The fact, that, again, that they haven't made a decision on who starts week one, you would assume that it would be Dobson because he played through the preseason, but – if we're making that assumption, why hasn't McDermott just come out and said that he's going to start week one? Right. I, I think it's still open-ended. That's why we just signed him, uh, Kirksey. That could so be it. I mean, it, it might is. be just completely open. And they're, they're just – from this week, it's like, all right, who's doing it? You know, like we'll see. We'll see. what we'll, we'll find out what we can see in practice to find out if Kirksey is running with the ones or not. Yeah. Does this I, say anything? <laughs> what do you guys think about uh, platooning the position for the first month or so and let him just keep battling it I, out? <laughs> I think you have to because you got a potential – like Kirksey could be potentially the, the guy. Uh, you have to. You but that platooning is why we brought in Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp will then yeah. come in at linebacker. We'll basically be playing a dime. But, yeah. I, eh. But that's only on third, you know, third and right. what eight or longer, you know, very third and long. Here's what I will say, and you guys know because I've talked about uh, Dobson before, because, um, you know, I have that that personal kind of personal connection with him when I visited Buffalo a year and a half ago. But at this point, I think I've seen enough. He's not the starter linebacker. So if there is any sort of platooning, if there is any sort of in and out, it needs to be between Kirksey and Bernard at this point of you know yeah, in their yes. careers. And so I, I think I've just seen enough from from Dobson to know that that to quote Stefan Diggs, he's not him. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I think we're I think we're all to that point. Like we all understand, you know. Don't forget about our guy uh Dorian too. You mean, I mean weak side linebacker, Dorian? Well, I'm just saying. Well, we're talking about rap and coverage and things like that. I'm not saying he's the guy, but. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he could throw a wrench on us because he played well in the preseason as well, albeit mm-hmm. not a middle linebacker. He did get some middle linebacker snaps in that last preseason game, though, late in the game. So that does kind of make me think that maybe they, they're not done with him at that position. I think they might still kind of give him a look there uh this year probably not i think this is kirksey's job to 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 take and and then let uh dorian williams you know get his time on the the, uh special teams maybe he fills in here and there uh on the defense and then maybe next year they say okay here you go go win that that middle linebacker job so we'll have to you know wait and see on that but um yeah, the I, ten days away, guys. We are almost there, right? Mike, around the clock, yes, dude. I'm so I'm so excited. <laughs> like I, it, this summer felt like it took so long, you know, just to get here. All the news, <laughs> all all of that 
crap and drama and fake drama and stuff people try to oh, make yeah. drama and it just i'm just so happy it's finally here man like thank god we <laughs> yeah. can talk about what's yeah, I, actually, what we see and what's going on on the field and not what everybody thinks is going on right, and right. freaking idea what the hell's going on that, I will say said, this. that last game is exactly what we were looking for i know yeah, we're past exactly, the post game thing but man great to see that scoring job yeah they look they looked good um you know you, you talk about the long summer uh, when i was just a fan the summers were long i occupied yeah. my time with trying to read as much as i could uh, you know about the bills and, and and keeping up and everything but since i started doing this content stuff for the last couple of summers honestly i feel like the summers are flying by like i, I stay busy with it so i'm on you know and obviously we're always talking about it we're always you know reading up on it and yeah so it's like football season's almost all year round. I will say, yeah. I will say that it like it does help help it make like come through a little bit better. It's a lot easier to digest the summer. Paparan, you were on the clock. And then it <laughs> not only does it hold our interest through the off season, but it it really gets me in, into the game more. And I, I'm really looking at, at more detail. You know, certain players doing things and all that. It's not just. Wanting to see Josh swing the ball around and score a touchdown, I'm really, really paying well, attention. But if the other it, guys, it makes like, you think. nobody nobody knows the linemen's names. Not a lot of you know average fans. But yeah, yeah, you know, you know but things it, like that. It makes you think. Makes you like, try to figure out what is going on inside, like Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott's head. Just the rot between roster construction, like in drafting and free agency. It's like, all right, so what what is the game plan they're trying to create here? You know, like it, it's yeah. it's so much fun. Like being like this fan is like that's why I enjoy fantasy football so much, and that's why everybody does. We all want to be a GM. That's why Madden. That's why Madden is as popular as it is. We all. This is everybody's dream job to sit here and put a team together and just go play football. Go try to win a football game. You know, like it's it's so much fun. Yeah. It, absolutely, it is. It's I love it. It's a ton of fun. Hey, uh, let's jump into. We wanted to do this last week. We actually received a re, kind of a request or a comment on uh, Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Prior to last week's game, we ran out of time to talk. Or last week's show. I'm sorry, we ran out of time to talk about this. But we were asked to kind of talk about. <laughs> yeah, just as a matter of four wide receivers, just make sure we throw that in there. Um, this is a, a G rated. What else show, would it right? be? What else? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Casey doesn't start swearing. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I know so, you catch yourself most of the time. We so this was um, kind of goes back to talking about Deontay Hardy and Andy Isabella versus the Justin Shorter and type of receivers or the the uh, AJ Browns of the world, the bigger uh, receivers versus the smaller ones, and. Back when I first started getting into this game, it was all about the big receivers. Like, if you weren't tall and big, the little guy, there was not a place for them uh, in, in the NFL. That's kind of changed. Do you think that the, the the smaller, faster guys has kind of replaced the the bigger guys, or have the offenses just kind of developed ways to get them more involved now? Right. Uh, right. Well, I feel like it's – become i mean just like dalton kincaid who is our wide receiver three more likely than not it's becoming more positionless football to where you don't have cole beasley who is a small guy in the slot and then you have des des bryant on the outside as your number one mainstay at receiver uh, x receiver and then somebody like whoever it was on the on the other outside outside of beasley so now we see people like Diggs, your X receiver, your standard X receiver, going in the slot and coming in motion and moving, being moved all around the line. And people like Gabe, who we are saying, yes, he's a big body receiver. It's supposed to be the go up and get a guy, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like everybody's interchangeable at this point. I don't, I don't think they really. I mean, size, measurables matter, which is why the draft is a thing. You know, the underwear Olympics, measurables matter. Yeah, and yes, the combine. Excuse me, um, but 
but at the same time, looks aren't always everything. I mean, there's a thing called game speed. We look at Josh Allen, who ran a disgusting 40 time. You don't see him running like that during, like with, with a football in his hands down the sideline, or Stefan Diggs, who ran like a four, five, nine, forty. When he's got the when he's burning by cornerbacks, you he ain't running a four, five, nine. You know, there's a certain yeah. like there is a gameplay style to it. Part of the game is just being able to pull away from people. I mean, like that's the adrenaline part of it. So I don't think there really is a whole thing to it. I think they're just looking basically like everybody said, looking for hands who can catch the ball, who can get open, who can catch the ball. Right. Yeah. I I think probably the biggest thing to me that that Jessica brought up here, route running, if if you can run good routes, then it doesn't matter how big you are, how small you are. Um, I heard on on another podcast recently that I was listening to that uh, Brandon Bean had commented that Josh Allen actually likes the little little guys for whatever reason he he prefers them, uh, and maybe that's because they're faster, typically quicker, and they can gain that more separation as opposed to the bigger, stronger receivers who you kind of got to throw the ball up there to them and you know trust that they're going to come down with it. But uh, I, I yeah I don't know if at this point in the NFL positionless football. I mean, you hit it on the, the nail on the head on, with that one. And, um, oh. Casey, go ahead and explain exactly what the Underwear Olympics are for. <laughs> Derek, come on, buddy. So, like, it's just, it's just the combine. You know you know what it is. Everything we used to do in training camp at Weed Sport. You know, you go, you go, you work out, bench, run your 40, do all, do your jumps and all that. It's, it's just the Underwear Olympics, man. I mean, that, like, it's, <laughs> I've never, you can get certain good things out of the draft, but I mean, I mean, out of the, um, the combine, but uh, to me, I, you got to take it all with a grain of salt. Like I'm still more so about what I see on the foot. Like the eye test is way more important to me than what they can bend. Like just gameplay. what they can bench. Yeah. I want to see gameplay. That's what's important to me. Yeah. So about the, uh, the receiver, uh, thing, I think part of the, part of the question was, you know, are are we going to see uh, the bigger receivers kind of go obsolete or move away from that? But it's uh, like, and I just I feel like the argument's very simple. If you're in a game situation where you got to chuck up a hail mary fifty yards, you need that big guy that's going to go up and get it. You got to have someone on the team, right? True, true. You can't rule out that you're never going to be in that situation where you have to win a game. Regular season, playoff, Super Bowl. If you got to chuck up a prayer, yeah. you want a big guy. Well, you got it. Yeah, you, I, you can't. You can't just rule them out and and get absolutely. Ready. I I agree because once you start getting down and towards that the end zone, and the space shrinks, it makes it harder for those smaller, faster receivers to get that separation. So you need right. that bigger guy. Field gets like a little more clouded, shorter, crowded. Yeah, or or uh, Dawson Knox. I think that's one reason why Knox is always been one of the team leaders in touchdowns because for a long time he was one of the only big guys we had down there um to for Allen to throw to there's a lot of underwear comments going on right now and it's just it's kind of weird I don't know <laughs> Casey that's your fault we're gonna blame you the underwear Olympics hey man that's I heard it called that once years ago and I've fallen in love with it ever since all I think about when you say that is like the lingerie football league <laughs> that's like oh my god Mike <laughs> okay, we are moving from That'd be more entertaining than underwear yeah, Olympics. Let's I think. move on from that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Derek Warren, I do want to kind of touch on this uh, real point, though. Will Gabe Davis finally go over a thousand yards? He's that tall dude. I think Gabe's only like six foot, six one. So he's, while he's taller than, than you know, Deontay Hardy or, or Diggs, but he's not Justin Shorter, six four. But uh, yes, to answer the question straight, yeah, I think Gabe Davis has his first thousand yard season. Six two, I see him. There. Agreed, I think he does as well. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys heard or not. He was voted as a team captain today. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, they did that. So, yep. how soon does the contract extension come through? Uh, exactly. That not was soon my next, enough. That was my next thought. So let's not talk about enough. that. Exactly. Do they sign him now? Do they give him that extension now, and in hopes that he becomes the Davis that we thought we were going to get last season? Or do they wait and see like they did with Tremaine Edmonds? I think they're gonna do. I think they're gonna extend him like first couple of weeks into the season. 
I think I they're going. I think they're going to get the team in place. You know, set exactly what's going on this year, and they're going to be like, all right, you know, gold cheap. We've hit the finish line. We've started this next. Se- we've started this season. Now we can look forward to this upcoming, the upcoming cap, and now we can start maneuvering and figuring out. Okay, this is where we're at. This is where we project it's going to be. This is what we got to do in order to get this done. So I think they're going to like they're going to just start checking off priorities. I think Micah Hyde's going to get extended. I think uh, Jordan. I mean, I think um, Gabe Davis is going to get extended, and I won't be surprised if Daquan Jones gets one more year thrown onto his contract as well. And I would expect that all to happen in the first, you know, ten weeks of the season if it happens this year. Didn't Jones already sign an extension? No, I don't think so. We, we only have Ed Oliver on on the docket past this year. Well, I know that that was the conversation for a while. I, I thought I saw or heard that he signed a two-year or one-year extension, giving him two more seasons this year and next. Um, if, you know, Mike or somebody in the comments want to double-check on that. Um, that's another – you brought up Hyde. I'm not so sure that this isn't the last season in Buffalo for those two, both him and Poirier. And not to say that the Bills are going to let them go somewhere else. I just wonder if this is their – end of their careers uh, together. I could see these two walking out together. I really could. Uh, Poyer well, that's came why back, I think, because of Hyde. So if they both collectively say, you know what, we're going to call it a career. I think – I can answer my own question, first of all. I think if they don't get a Super Bowl, I do think they take one more shot at it. It would not surprise me, though, if we do win the Super Bowl this year, if both of them are like, okay, it's done. We've, we've accomplished it. our goal. We're going to ride off into the sunset at the height of our careers. But wouldn't you want yes, one more? Yes, agreed. I think that's the only the, – <laughs> but I think that's the only way they – that's the only way they leave this year, at like this – after this year. I think – I mean, Micah I – mean, Poyer came back because of Micah Hyde, but signed a two-year deal offsetting their – like offsetting – they're like staggering those two years, like the years together here. So that's why I think they're just going to throw on more this year, just to give it to Micah to make sure they do leave at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of, it'd actually be kind of a cool story too. Uh, there was something in here. Do you want to kind of go back to, Oh yeah. So Roy said uh, maybe the Davis extension comes in the bye week. By then they'll know the production level he's having. The bye week, I believe, is week eleven. Uh, to me, that's too late in the season. Uh, I think if he's having himself a, a career season, it would it would benefit him to not sign an extension. Be like, you know what? If he's looking to maximize his contract, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and wait until we get to to free agency see what my market looks like because I think at that point he can drive up his value and make more money. Um, Agreed. But if, if, if he's just solely worried about sticking with the team, the loyalty to the team and, and winning and all of that, then yeah, I think he, you know, he signs an extension, but I, I mean, these guys are loyal to their teams, but at the same time, we know they want to get paid. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to see another Edmonds Edmonds. deal where we're, we're just, <laughs> you know, what do but we that's do? what happens when you stack a roster the way Brandon Bean did. Yeah. You yeah. can't pay everybody. You know, you that's can't be the Dodgers. True. You can't be the Yankees. We <laughs> have a salary cap. Depth of good players at receiver. Which I, in my as opinion, as much as we run the ball, in my know, opinion, I think we, we do run the ball. I mean, I think this is the deepest wide receiver room as a whole. Josh Allen has had. Yeah. Top to bottom. Do you guys think that? Do you guys think that see. Gabe? Do you think that Gabe is better than John Brown? Yes. Oh, yeah. Do you think? Okay, so there's one for one. But it stops there, for me. <laughs> but because, but that's because we don't know. And the the next exactly. player on that list would be Gate would be Beasley. So already we have Diggs and Davis. You know, so that I mean, that's already a top, a top heavy. That already makes the best room he's already played in. And but when they had Beasley and David and Beasley and Brown before Diggs got here, there was nothing behind them. They had a pretty solid wide receiver core with Robert Foster. I'm just just yeah. saying. <laughs> I mean, I I guess the no, only, I, I guess the deepest that you could argue would be when we had Diggs, Beasley, 
Emmanuel Sanders and Gabe Davis. That's yeah. per, that might be the deepest we've had. Which was two seasons ago. Yes. Yeah, yes. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I think about a pick. Sorry. Okay. I think we think about uh, Crowder too, but that never panned out. No. Yeah. He, well, we saw he well, just got cut by the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. He did, and so did Beasley. Did he? I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. He he got yeah. released as well. Uh, I think well. I think this this year's group has a potential to be the best group of wide receivers, at least one through. Uh, well, I, if you throw in um, Trent Trent Sherfield in there as that top three, because he's looked really good through the preseason, but I do want to see these guys in and when it matters. Uh, you know, do they are they who we've seen in the in the in the preseason game and training camp and all of that. I, I got to see more from Khalil Shakir as well. Deontay Hardy, for all the talk and chatter about his quickness and everything, they they force-fed him the ball in that last preseason game, and I think he had like three-something yards per reception. Like, it, it wasn't – yes, but, there were a lot of screens and things me, like that. For me, he's a return but, guy. But, the, yeah, they were like – it was like – but those were like design plays. They never tried to take a shot with him downfield which I think was on purpose. You know, they're, I feel like the Bills played a very vanilla offense defense, you know, I mean, except for when Josh Allen was calling the plays, then he was calling shots for Matt Barkley. <laughs> but uh, other than that, like, it was it was pretty even. You know, I mean, it was – You don't want to give it all away. Yeah. Yeah. So, quick correction, Beasley was released, but then the Giants did re-sign him back to the practice squad. Oh, did they? Jessica. Okay. So, gotcha. Yeah. So, and, and that kind of, I think, kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, you want to have guys on your practice squad who can jump in and play because they they know the playbook. They know yes. uh, the scheme and things like that. So, if in a pinch he had to get called up, he could. Um, yeah, this is going to be a fun season, guys. Uh, I, I cannot wait for it. This time next week, in fact, we, we will have an actual NFL regular season game to talk about between the Chiefs and the, and the Lions. Um, I'm just going to say it. I know I've got some Chiefs friends who listen to the show, and I'm sorry, but I'm rooting for Detroit next week. Oh, you gotta. Who <laughs> isn't rooting for Detroit that lives outside of Missouri? Right, you right. Know, like, you know, it, it, it's funny. When I was, uh, you know, my pre-teens, teens, early 20s, I rooted for AFC teams like Buffalo's an AFC team. I'm going to root for the AFC uh, in the Super Bowl and the, in the Pro Bowl. I always root for the AFC teams. Now it's like, screw the AFC teams. I just want Buffalo when everybody else can lose. <laughs> hey, speaking of people uh, in Missouri, um, a guy I used to work with moved out to Kansas city. That's where, uh, or Missouri, that's where his, his wife's family's from, but he's uh he was a Cowboys fan, but he's, he's been rooting for the bills pretty hard now. So kudos to him for being in uh, Chiefs country. <laughs> right, and sticking with the bills. the bills. Yep. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We're, we're getting close to time. Uh, you know, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe. Share. Uh, we will be back next Friday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to talk about the Chiefs-Lions game a little bit. Uh, we'll preview the Monday Nighter against the uh, the Jets, and we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming slate on Sunday as well. And, uh, I, guys, I can't wait for it the week after that. I will be in Buffalo, me and my family, so if we're walking out on the streets, do not hesitate to come up and say hi. I, I, I don't mind. I, I won't feel like you're intruding on my, my privacy or, or space. I want to meet as many Bills fans as I can when I get out there, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and finally meeting you guys. Oh, my I'm God. excited, man. So <laughs> I've got, Home I've got there, something. Man. This is – this is cool. Two two weeks from today, I've got something for for you, Paparon. Mainly for Paparon, but and for Mike as well. So it's it, really? kind of like some news, yeah, a little bit. Cool, cool. So all right, couple, we'll be looking forward weeks. to that. Yeah, a couple of weeks we got something. Of course, everyone's everyone's been hearing about the beer release and the big Megapod, right? We played the ad in the beginning. Yep. Ah, I just that, want to throw out right. that that's all going on Saturday, um, Saturday, September sixteenth. Um, yes. On uh, a weekend, yeah, six yeah, so. to seven live pod. Come join the show. I mean, any, everybody can hop on. Derek, thanks for coming, buddy. Go underwear Olympics. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> all right, we will see you all next week. Go Bills. Go, Go Bills. Bills.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.